Good morning, Whitestone. Please have a seat. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to those watching online. It is so good to see everybody this morning. Uh, it's so good to have you. If you're watching online, I hope you guys had a great Christmas with your family. And uh, my name is Colby. I'm an associate pastor here at Whitestone Church. And I just wanted to say it's, it is always a privilege to get to share the pulpit with our pastors, Pastor Mark and Pastor Brock. It always feels like the very first time. And particularly today, given that this is the very first Sunday of the year and making this the very first sermon of the year. So I am incredibly honored uh, to be able to do this. Also, today's a very special day for my family. It is my lovely wife's birthday today. She's not here, she's not feeling too great, uh, but it's her birthday today. I am one lucky man. She's kind, compassionate, godly, and beautiful. And so I just wanted to wish her happy birthday here. And uh, so around this time of the year, uh, there are a lot of people making New Year's resolutions, right? A lot of people setting up goals and objectives that they want to attain this year. And a lot of those resolutions, although they go beyond fitness, but a lot of them are about fitness, right? For some people, their New Year's resolution is to lose a certain amount of weight. For some people, it's to earn a promotion this year. For some people, it's to make more money, right? Everybody seems to building objectives and goals that they want to achieve. But many people, though, I imagine some people may feel a little lost and they're looking for a sense of direction, right? So recently I came across a passage in the Bible that I could not stop reading over and over and over again because I thought it was very appropriate to this time of the year, the beginning of the year. So before we get into the passage today, if you've been around me long enough, you know that I love to quote the Great Commission, right? We all are familiar with the Great Commission here. Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commended you. I love the Great Commission because I truly believe that the church is called to be externally focused, right? We're called to be evangelistic and missional and to be always going and making disciples and teaching. But the passage that we're going to consider today has very much of an internal focus. Uh, it's not a focus that necessarily contradicts the external focus of the church, but it's one that rather strengthens it. And so that's what we're going to consider today. And I'm sure by now you're like, so what's the passage? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to be meditating on the first 11 verses of that passage. So 2 Peter chapter 1, if you have your Bible, please open it to 2 Peter chapter 1. All right, just a little bit of background here before we read uh, the passage. So the Apostle Peter is both the author, is the author of both 1st and 2nd Peter. 1st uh, Peter is a letter of encouragement. It's a letter of uh, support. It's a letter of, hey guys, I know that you're going through suffering right now. He's writing to those believers that were scattered throughout those regions. And he's telling them, guys, I know that you're going through a time of persecution external opposition and the like, but I want you to set your mind on the hope that is 
ahead of you, on the heavenly inheritance that is ahead of you, right? So I read the whole book, and I saw that Peter's not really concerned much about the external opposition. He doesn't take time really to talk about the character of the persecutors. In fact, he's calling the believers to be reverent, right? To honor those emperors that are over the very persecution that they're going through. In fact, it says that the suffering that you guys are going through right now, it's, it's okay. It's going to eventually bring glory to Christ when he's revealed. So his concern here is on the believers, their conduct. You need to, to conduct uh, in a way that really is a, in alignment with the mercy, with the grace that you've received. So his concern is on the believers, not necessarily on the external persecution. Uh, Second Peter, though, has a different focus. Second Peter is a letter of warning. It is Peter warning the believers of eminent heretical teachings that are going to be propagated in the church. Peter's letting them know that there's going to be false teachers entering the church and spreading false teachings. So you need to be aware of that. You need to know where you stand. So Peter is helping those believers understand their position in Christ, the foundation of their salvation, and he's calling them to a life that is in alignment with that calling that they've received. So 1 Peter is a letter of consolation. It's a letter of encouragement. 2 Peter is a letter of warning, warning of false teachers spreading heretical teachings in the church. Let's pray before we get into our passage today. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. It is always a privilege to gather together as believers, people that you have called to yourself. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be evident in this place, that you would move in this place, Father, that you would draw hearts to yourself, that we would feel your presence. And Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the beauties in this text, the treasures in this text, Father, that it would take control, they would take control over our lives, and that we would glorify you as we meditate on this text together. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. Let's read. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, verse 5, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, 
self-control, and the self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, verse 10, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a beautiful text. What a rich, rich text this morning. So let's, let's go through it together here. So Peter's writing the letter again to those believers, right? And if we look here in the salutation, he's writing to specifically those through the righteousness of our God, like it says here, have received a faith as precious as ours. So notice here, those believers are beloved recipients of a faith. God has given them a faith, and it's the saving faith. It's the, it's the faith to believe in Jesus and see him as the one that provided that died for their sins and brought about their reconciliation with God. It's the faith to view Jesus as their Savior. So notice here that this faith has been provided to those believers, to us, not based on anything that we've done, not based on our works and merits and good deeds, but the faith is based on the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. God has given us Faith, he's given us the gospel and the faith to believe in the gospel. So this is a free gift here, and this is based on the righteousness of our God and Savior, based on his justice, not our performance, not our works, not our deeds, but his goodness, righteousness. Not only have we, those believers, Peter's saying here, have received a faith, the faith to believe, but they have received grace, verse 2, and peace. And the grace and peace that they've received are based, the foundation for the, for the grace and peace uh, is the knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord, right? So we receive grace and peace by knowing God and Jesus. By knowing him, that's how we receive grace and peace. So far, we've seen faith, grace, and peace, all gifts that God has freely given to those believers, but it goes further than that, though. Look at verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And I want us to go through this verse backwards here, right? So we see there's a call here. Uh, he called us by his own glory and goodness. Again, the foundation for that call, for that calling, is his glory and goodness, right? Not our works, not our performance, not our deeds. He called us by his own glory and goodness because he's good. He wants to share his love with us. He called us. And the goal, he called us to a godly life. We see here his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So the goal is a godly life. There's a calling. 
based on the goodness of, of God. And there's a goal. The goal is godly life. And that godly life is possible only, in this verse, through our knowledge of him. If we don't know God, if we don't know Christ, we cannot live a godly life. It goes further than that. It says that his divine power has given us everything we need. This has me go back to a sermon that Pastor Brock preached here just a few months ago when he was talking about the idea that many times a lot of our songs are about God Please give me more of you. Give me more of your power. Give me more of your presence. Give me more and give me more. But the truth is, he has given us everything that we need, namely himself. God the Father has given everything to his son, and the son has given everything to his church, ourself. He has given himself to us. Therefore, we have everything that we need for that goal to which he's, he's called us here. Namely, the godly life. So he has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through the knowledge of him, he's given us a goal, godly life. And there's no way that we can live a godly life other than by knowing him through the knowledge of him. And he's provided everything that we need. He's made all the provisions for us to live a godly life. This is so beautiful. This is rich. Verse 4, through these through the glory and goodness of God. He has given us his very great and precious promises, salvation, eternal life, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Once we come to know Christ, right, we have been given the faith that allows us to, be, to become partakers of a new nature. We're not the same people, right? Paul talks about it. Our old self has been crucified. We've, we've now been given a new nature, right? We are now called children of God. So we are now partakers of a new nature, and that allows us to escape the corruption in the world. So far, everything we've seen here has been given to us, granted to us freely by God. There's nothing that we've done here. We've been given faith, grace, peace, a new nature, and everything that we need for the godly life that God has called us to based on his goodness and glory. Verse 5, for this reason, this is where our efforts come into place here. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, the self-control perseverance, Perseverance, godliness, godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Notice the key phrase here, make every effort. Now, this is us. Because we've been, received, we've been received every, because we've received everything that we need for a godly life, faith, grace, peace, divine nature, and everything, we are going to make every effort to add to that faith goodness. And in goodness, we see moral excellence. We see virtue, right? So we're not going to sit on that faith. That faith is not going to be inactive. We're going to add to that faith goodness that the Apostle Peter is calling us to hear, is telling us. And in goodness, in moral excellence, in virtue, we see honesty. We see integrity. We see courage. Those are all godly characteristics. And Peter says, to goodness, we're going to add knowledge, 
We're going to spend time reading the Word of God to, to know what God's like and His Word. Not just knowing Him intellectually. This is not any kind of casual knowledge. This is a deep, intimate knowledge to know Christ. And Jesus says that this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Christ whom you've sent. This is a deep, intimate knowledge that he's talking about here. And we're going to add to that knowledge what? Self-control, right? A great part of the Christian living is self-denial. Jesus calls us to pick up our cross every day, to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him. And to self-control, we're going to add perseverance. This is not a... a I follow Christ today, I, I don't follow him tomorrow, the next day. I, I pick my cross up on Wednesday, on Thursday. This is a call, we're called to perseverance, to persevere every day. So self-control, perseverance, and when we do all that, when we grow in goodness, we grow in knowledge, we grow in self-control, perseverance, that allows us to be more godly, to grow in godliness. And what is God's like? God is love. Uh, just a couple of days ago, I finished a book entitled The Lighting of the Trinity that I got from my good friend here, Lucas. And the book is about, the book is a defense for the doctrine of the Trinity. Right? It's, we sing about it all the time here. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God exists in three persons. He's one, but he exists in three persons. The book is talking about the, the reality that, that God, before he ever created anything, he was still God. God is not dependent on creation. He was still God before he ever created anything. He was self-sufficient. He was in a relational community. He had always existed in three persons, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Before he was the creator, he was a loving father. He was loving his son. So as we grow in those qualities, we become more godly. And notice here the last two characteristics that Peter mentions here, the last two qualities are mutual affection, brotherly love. We love one another, and we love our neighbors. And that's what God is like. God is love. And if we're called to be imitators of Christ, we're called to love, to love one another, to build one another, and to love our neighbors, love the world as Christ loves the world, that he would die to save the world. Verse 8. If you possess these qualities in, get this, increasing measure, right? Now we know the qualities, right? We know there is, we're going to make every effort to add to our faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. We know those qualities. We have them here. But Peter's saying here, if you possess those qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I understand here that we can be unproductive and ineffective Christians if we're not growing and those qualities. If we're not growing in those qualities, we're not growing to be more godly, to be more like God. Therefore, we're not growing in our knowledge of Him, right? 
Because when we grow in our knowledge of God, the Holy Spirit, his job is to transform us into the likeness of the Son. But if we're not growing in those qualities, we're not growing in his knowledge, therefore we are ineffective and unproductive. But we're not called to be ineffective and unproductive. We've not been given the faith, the grace, the peace, and everything, the divine nature, to just be ineffective and unproductive. We are called to possess those qualities, to grow in those qualities in increasing measure. Because what Peter says here in verse 9, whoever does not have those qualities is nearsighted and blind. They have forgotten that they've been cleansed from their past sins. If we're not actively growing in the knowledge of Christ and those qualities, we're just blind. We, we forget that we've been cleansed from those sins. We don't have to succumb to the demands of the flesh anymore. When we continually, habitually succumb to the desires of the flesh, we just forget that we've been cleansed from, from that. We forget that our old self was crucified, that we're now partakers of a new divine nature, that we have the ability to say no to the demands of the flesh because we are now children of God. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, verse 10, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Now, the reason that Peter's calling them here to a life that is consistent with their calling, with their faith, the faith that they've received, is because they need their, their new life now needs to confirm the purpose of living that new life is that we should we need is that we could confirm the fact that we've received the faith. Because if we're not doing that, then we just have doubt all the time, right? But what brings assurance is the fact that we're living a life that is consistent with the faith that we've received. So the purpose here is that we can confirm our calling and election. So the faith that we've received and the life that we live need to be in alignment because that confirms the fact that we've been called, that we've been elected. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're growing actively in those qualities, if you're growing in your, in your knowledge of Christ, you will never stumble, and you're going to receive a reward for that. Christ is going to reward you good and faithful servants. I love what Paul says here in, in the book of Philippians. Let's see if I can, I can find that here. That brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on, verse 14, that's Philippians 3, 13 and 14, I press on toward the goal to win the price for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is a call to persevere. Paul is not perfect. He's not saying that I'm perfect. I've got it all together. But I'm forgetting what is behind my old self. I'm pressing towards the end, Christ, my heavenly inheritance. Because when we're consistently pursuing Christ, we're growing in his knowledge we will not stumble, we will never stumble, we will not be in a position where we feel like we need to continually succumb to the desires of the flesh. 
the Christian life, our aim as Christian is to grow in our knowledge of Christ. God hasn't just called us away from hell, out of hell. He has called us to himself. And because he's called us, called us to himself, and because we are now in Christ, we have everything that Christ has, namely everything. God has given everything to Christ his son, to Jesus his son, and Jesus has given everything to us. We are now co-heirs of Jesus Christ, and we're called to grow in the knowledge of Christ. This is our call today. So if you have not built, or even if you have built your New Year's resolution, you, you're still setting up goals and objectives for yourself this year, I, I want to encourage you to make this your New Year's resolution, to make growing in the knowledge of Christ, growing in godliness, your New Year's resolution. Because this is not any supplementary activity, something that you add to your busy life. Yeah, you add your Christian life to your busy life. This is fundamental to who you are as a Christian, right? So we're going to make godliness our New Year's resolution here. And not just our New Year's resolution, our new life's resolution. Because we have been given new life and Christ. Let's pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for the faith, the grace, the peace, the divine nature, and everything that you've given us. To be able to know you and to live the life that you have called us to live. Father, we understand that you're not a stingy God, that you're not holding on to things but you're generous. You're loving. You're infinitely generous and loving. And Father, thank you for opening our eyes to the call that we've received. You're called to know you as the infinitely beautiful God, the infinitely generous God, the good, good Father. Father, we thank you because we, have, we now have access. You have granted us access to yourself through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that we are now partakers of the divine nature. Nothing that we did, nothing that we accomplished. We could never earn this. But Father, you have made us partakers of the divine nature. We are now in Christ. We thank you for that, Father. Father, we pray that you would help us because we've received everything, we pray that you would help us live a life that is consistent with the calling and election that we've received. Change us inside out. Help us make godliness our new life's resolution. Help us walk in godliness and goodness and perseverance and all those qualities that we mentioned. That's all summed up in the knowledge of Christ. Thank you, Father. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.